at the Round Table Podcast, a journey into the realms of sci-fi and fantasy. This week, we are talking about the film Camelot, which is a uh, film screen version edited from the Broadway show that came out in 1960. So this came out in 1967. We have lots and lots of thoughts. We are going without Max this week, but we have Shoshi back. So we are very happy to have Shoshi back and look forward to when all four of us get to be here again together. Joey and I are missing our full team. Disclaimer, from this point forward, the following podcast may contain spoilers and the ladies at the round table assume that anyone listening to this podcast has already watched the show and or read the books and have no intention of being apologetic about it. Listener discretion is advised. We start every episode with our plot summary in a sentence. So, Joey, what is your plot summary in a sentence? Flashbacks to love, a love triangle, and treasured memories with a wise teacher with songs. So many songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shoshi, how about you? Um, my sen- plot st- uh, summary in a, in a sentence is um, they should have been a throuple. It would have spelled everything. <laughs> <laughs> it would have fixed a lot of problems would it not <laughs> and I, I want to talk about that more yes for sure <laughs> I definitely uh, reached a point at the end where I was like you know what would have solved this problem polygamy um, <laughs> for a single moment all was right in the world love peace beauty camaraderie but Camelot falls because when things were so right, people got bored and nothing lasts forever except stories. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boy. So I chose this one. We are going to do a lot of Camelot uh, Arthurian tale coverage because it is a classic. It has so many versions out there that um, have different takes, different vibes, different. There's just so much. And the reason I chose this one is because it was my introduction to the Camelot Arthurian tale. I had the record. We used to listen to the Broadway version all the time as kids and uh, that along with Annie and shows like that. We would dance to them and do all sorts of silly stuff. So for me, this is also pretty basic when you think of the Arthur story. It has just a few of the key pieces. So I felt like it was a really good one for us to start talking about the Arthurian tale. And then also, you know, what a good musical is always fun to, to throw in there. So we have lots of thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. I have not seen this since I was probably 13, I think was the last time I watched it. Um, so obviously I have a different viewpoint as a 46-year-old, 47-year-old. I can't remember, 46-year-old. So, um, yeah, let's, let's start with, <laughs> let's just start with a general rating, um, in one to one to 10 swords. Where do you rate this? Joey? Two swords. This was the, <laughs> this was the <laughs> hardest watch I've had for this podcast. I don't normally feel this way about movies, but I did not have a good time. <laughs> I I appreciated a lot of it. I really did. And I think there's a lot of things that are worth repeating. And like, there's a lot of things that I I did like, but as a whole, no, 
not so much. How about you, Shoshi? Where does this fall? So I think because I really did love the songs from the Broadway version, that made it really good for me because I really I felt the nostalgia like you. And so I'm definitely more than it was more than a two. And also for me, because this wasn't my first uh, first version, this actually I have never seen this version. I didn't realize that when I when I watched it, the first version I saw had. Um, oh, now I'm blanking her name. The gal from um, my no, not Liza oh, Minnelli. Um. <laughs> I, I know um, who you're Julie Andrews. Andrews. Julie yeah. Andrews. I was picturing so her face, Julie... but said Liza Minnelli. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> so Julie Andrews was my first, and that version, I I think, is based on the Broadway version. It might be the Broadway so version. So Julie actually. Andrews and Richard Burton were in the Broadway version. Yeah. Okay. They so were on the, the original actual Broadway, Broadway show. On I Broadway. Think, I really think that Richard Burton was different in this one. It wasn't Richard. It wasn't Burton. Richard Burton. Oh, it wasn't. No. No. It was Richard Harris. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, yeah, oh. Richard. Oh, oh, let's see. Okay. So they had so, hired anyway, Burton, that... and then and then Harris. Wait, I wasn't got finished. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> so the other version that I watched um, was very, very tale esque and very romantic and romanticized and. Um, this one, it was different. It was very different. Um, but I, I, I like Maya also, I read Sword and Stone. I read a Once and Future, you know, Once and Future, Once and Future King. I think that the was the name future, of it. Once and Future, I think, yeah. The Once and Future King. I, I was, I was, I read a Mists of Avalon. I read a lot of Arthurian legend stories, mm -hmm. um, when I was younger. And so I did have kind of like a romanticized view of the King Arthur story. This movie. So anyway, so my curiosity made it watchable because I was just like, what is yeah. this? What's going to happen? What, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are they doing? No. <laughs> so what is your rating, Shoshi? I, I think I'm going to give it a, a, a 4.5. All right. And for Wasn't, me, yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm very similar to Shoshi. I watched it. I enjoyed kind of, I like seeing like weird takes on things. And since I know there's so much other great stuff that I love, I was a bit forgiving. Um, mine is still a five though, which is really low for me. <laughs> it's very it low, low for, for me. You. The the singing Especially for of, something that you picked. I know, yeah. I know, but I picked it for reasons and I feel like they were good reasons and I'm glad, I'm still glad we're doing it. Um, but it, it fell flat and it fell flat for lots of reasons. If we could have watched the Broadway version of this, I totally would have. I but think I would have like, felt differently about it. I really do. Um, yeah. I, I would agree. The, the choices to, um, of, that they made from Broadway to film were huge i mean we got so many close-ups of their faces yeah. looking really super serious and, and the dramatic um, lighting on their faces when they did it that was actually really awesome that was like big deal for me actually for why i still liked it and all the blue eyes yeah <laughs> some of the songs were changed so much in a in a tone 
that it, it did bother me like month the lusty month of may went from being this really jovial like mayday like yay to this kind of like this is the day we cheat on everybody right yeah. like, <laughs> and i was like what no my childhood <laughs> <laughs> and she was all like it's the last time and the way she sang it i was like no it's her not whole how character. it goes yes her whole character yeah. was like that yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> i had heard that song I, I didn't know to associate it with camelot but i had heard that song before and then seeing it i was like this is not what i imagined it's just not <laughs> No, it's you fine, picture but... them dancing around a maypole happily. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, you know, and it, interestingly, King Arthur was not even a part of that romp around and dancing. He like showed up for two minutes and then left yeah. and left her to her, her, uh, merriment. Um, <laughs> so, so this does cover the general themes or ge not general themes, but the general like big parts of the story of king arthur right we've got the round table mm -hmm. we've got the sword in the stone we have like two minutes of merlin yeah. we have the knights and the law right so he terrible dubbed version of arthur as a child <laughs> <laughs> yeah for a second i was like ah! <laughs> yeah so uh <sighs> let's just really quickly just step by step go through each of the characters and yeah. how they portrayed each character um we have to start with king arthur mm -hmm. um for this show to for this version to me they created him he's like a bumbling kind of follow along kind of oh this is just where the world's taking me you know and he yeah. they he, they show him having these great ideas but they don't really was a true leader yeah no he didn't i really think he was embracing the part of the story where he was an unwilling king he right. didn't yeah. choose it and that's he was even using that to try to win guinevere he was like i didn't want this it just happened to me and yeah. here i am you know? And even at the very end of the show, he's there's this war happening, and he's like, "We just have to go along with it." Yeah, he's kind of a wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I would I mean, agree with that. Just, I think, I think that's his crutch. Is he's like, "Well, mm -hmm. I didn't ask for this." Every time he, you know yeah. something happens, where and he doesn't step up. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't become wise in his own right even at the very end he's always like merlin merlin where victim. are you help yeah. me what did you teach me when i was seven that will help me in this moment yeah um and which is a shame because <laughs> was, King, merlin his higher self and he was just like not getting lesson you know just, like he didn't get it. At some point, he has to step up and be that wise person himself. And yeah. at the end, he's supposed to be this king who's, you know, the Camelot is the, what are they, they call it the castle on the, the shining moment, right? Yeah, and so he true. never reached that. This and King I, Arthur yeah. never reached that. That no. is such a good point. Because if you think about it, if the actual legend had been like that, king arthur they would not have written all that not stuff very legendary him. right <laughs> no. 
that was that is one of my chief complaints is that you know like I, I mean I'm not as familiar with these legends as you two are um although I feel like I want to learn more even more than I do know after having seen this but I was like I know that there's more really cool and interesting stories and this is what we're presented with and like that's the whole thing like that bothered me and like some things were mentioned like they did talk about the sword in the stone for a whole hot 30 seconds or something where they're just talking about it and like there's a few other times where stuff like that happens too where we're just hearing about it secondhand basically when like this is a yeah. film you could have shown us something even if it was something short like you did all the weird stuff with the young arthur yeah. you could have done that but you chose not to. Dead. they're gonna have lancelot seeing for two and a half minutes <laughs> yeah same what and that song is not that long <laughs> it doesn't cover that much and i i read somewhere and i i should have done a little more research about this one but i think <laughs> i think they had a different voice for him like singing in the rain voice right he did. um yeah. so, he was the only one who yeah. was dubbed i believe everyone else yeah. sang their own stuff um no one else was trained to be a singer except mm -hmm. one person who doesn't sing <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind that he dubbed him. I minded that they dragged that song out. Yeah. And all he's doing during the song is just going through the country and he's traveling to get there. And it doesn't really, it's just, it was like, a bit much. Can the song be over now? <laughs> yes. Well, I will be honest. My favorite, like one of my favorite moments happens in that song when he's on the boat and he's singing about himself and you see his squire look at him and just kind of like roll his eyes there's which is this one moment where you're like that guy knows what he's I dealing the with squire. the squire was great he was. yeah yeah agreed um so king arthur is less than this greatness that we want him to be he is the main character and yet he doesn't really lead, lead anything but he has these great ideas suddenly he's like what if and then he makes them happen. So that's something. But they don't show how he makes them happen. They don't yeah. show. It's just him and, and yeah, thinking things. I don't know. I was, I was disappointed with this King Arthur. Even though I love this actor. I do. I've seen him <laughs> yeah, in other no, things I do. and enjoyed I it. Yeah, I think, no, I did. I did like this actor a lot. I think he looked great. Um, I think he managed to make the younger version of him at the beginning of the movie feel young, even though he's still like definitely old looking. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, you know, just I think he's a fantastic actor. I think yeah. he I think that just the whole tone of the movie, whoever directed it or wrote the screenplay or whatever, just wanted to do their own weird take on it and be different. And sometimes, sometimes you just shouldn't mess with stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so the history of this is that Camelot was written. At, this is my mediocre knowledge about this. Uh, Camelot was written right after my fair lady. Yeah. So it came out as a hit oh. on Broadway oh. right after it was like, my fair lady is huge, right? That, that thing is amazing. Yeah. It's a great Broadway play. And they transitioned and made it into a film that right. was oh. also great. Camelot came out with the film a few years after the film of My Fair Lady. 
And I think they did. I think they tried to do it differently instead of following that path, right? Like they did ask the lead characters to be in the film from the Broadway show and neither of them could. Um, So I think that really was the death knell for this movie. It just, it it was never going to be great because they didn't have those two. And they still needed stars because it was the 60s. If they had been like, we need two great singers besides Julie Andrews and Richard Burton. Let's find some great singers. We might have gotten somewhere. Yeah, Vanessa Redgrave was an interesting choice. I think she's beautiful. Yeah, very. And um, and I, I, I did like certain things about, I think she portrayed this Guinevere good. But I just didn't like this Guinevere. <laughs> no, this Guinevere was vapid and she like well, wanted, she wanted to, they sh- like you, you're introduced to her complaining, you know, the song and the way that they sing it. Yeah. They're introducing her as wanting all of this fighting over her. I think, yeah, no, I think they missed a lot of the subtext. So I had to kind of fill in my own blanks. And for me, I felt like there was instant je- instant jealousy. And it was just like one line that really encapsulated it where she was like, these are my husband's ideas when she says that to Lancelot. Yeah. Like, you know, basically who the F are you yeah. coming in here? You know, and then she's using French over, you know, and she's, she's like really trying to say, this is my territory and you're coming in here and this is my husband better keep your mitts off him and like, yeah <laughs> and so I, I i read in all this jealousy that she then segued into getting all these other knights upset i mean she really played all the court court stuff you know on lancelot but i mean even in the beginning i also sensed this this bond with lancelot and and arthur that again i had it was in my head, like I shipped them immediately, you know, like, <laughs> like they were like my bromance <laughs> and um, <laughs> they were. Yeah. And a- th- yeah. And so basically my, my, so this Guinevere was a petty, jealous Guinevere. And, and I yeah. think that ultimately that's what led her to trying to steal Lancelot it was really just kind of selfish selfishness because you know she wanted a lot of the attention on her that kind of thing and i don't know yeah when i mean we see the scene right when lancelot arrives she is in this lusty month of may where all of the the court are running around and dancing with her and picnicking and and they're all loving and you know having having a grand old time with her at the center of it all. Yes. And in walks Lancelot and suddenly he draws the attention of King Arthur and that's rough on her. She wants everyone's (laughs) attention. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be all about her. So like that, she just, that's all she spends her time doing. And it's yeah, a bit much. Well, she also seems to want intrigue. <clears throat> yeah. She wants, oh, yeah, definitely. She wants trouble, and and you know, she sees thrives on it. She sees the excitement that comes from her relationships, and you know, 
she has a when she meets Lancelot, she says, Have you jousted with humility lately? Which I yeah. thought was hilarious. It was and funny. really so so she saw him for who he was. Like she yeah. saw he's he's this great shining example of uh goodness and purity and how being good makes you strong and strong in God also. So uh and, yeah. and strong in uh fighting. And she calls him out right away to his face, which probably is why he may fall for her, I guess. But they don't really show us that part of this. They don't show us. Why do these two suddenly? They, the only scene we see is <laughs> the poor knight gets killed, according oh. to King Arthur. Yeah. Lancelot in his purity comes and prays and save him, save him. Brings him back from the dead. And then Guinevere holds his hands and then later on blames God for their whole relationship. So in that moment, he's saved this man. She falls in love with him instantly because he is so pure and so good. And then suddenly that's all gone because they destroy it. Do you get the sense that these are two narcissists yep, that I do. are basically seeing themselves in each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of where I was. Yeah, I can see that. Yes. And it's interesting because King Arthur in this isn't isn't depicted as a narcissist really at all. No. And yet no. things are about him. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be. Right? Yeah. Well, that's what happens with kings. I mean, it, that's just accepted. Yeah. Yeah. They're the center. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, let's really quickly talk about Merlin. It will be a very quick conversation because no, what happened to Merlin? He's not even in this. He's like my we see him at the very beginning in a tree. Is that because in the sixties? It was this in the sixties? Yeah, maybe they were really anti witchcraft or something, and they thought Merlin's too witchy or something. <laughs> Who knows? What I don't know. I think in some ways maybe it was too difficult to show on stage, and so they thought we'll just keep that out of it. I think or, they wanted to keep him a mystery. You know, Merlin is best when we don't completely understand him. Yeah, that's, that's why we love him. And so I think I think in order to keep some of that mysterium there, he was odd and not there very often. Uh, but I did like what we had there. Um, yeah, no, he was what great. We saw was fun. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a kind of crotchety old Merlin living in a tree, steps out of the tree. Mm-hmm. lives backwards in time. Like he travels through time backwards. So that's how he knows about the future. Um, this, the scene where he's talking to Lance where King Arthur is talking to Lancelot about Merlin. No, was it Lancelot? He was telling, he says he made me into a fish or something. And, yeah. and, oh no, it was, it was Mordred. He was talking to, yeah. and he, and Mordred like <laughs> pokes fun about it. And he's like, well, not really. Like he yeah. made it sound like it was just imagine, like imagining, mm-hmm. so that he could well, get that what perspective. I'm they kind of completely eliminated the magic. Yeah, and I feel like that was very purposeful. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I want to. I want to know. He's why. not really magic. Right. He's why? just a man. I wonder. I I didn't read it. <sighs> I did read some about this. I didn't read anything about that. But you're right. I I, I notice it more and more, and the more I'm thinking about it all that magic except for Lancelot 
and bringing the guy back from the dead because he's praying and crying. Right, because that's laying on hands and that's godly, yeah. 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 Other than that, it's all gone, isn't it? This was a very Christian version. Yeah, very clean. I wonder, because like Richard Harris loved this so much that he then bought the rights to Camelot and made it a bigger deal for the second revival uh, like later on in in um, theater. I wonder if he did the same thing. I wonder if um if like the magic has gone from there as well. I don't know. I I'm not I don't I'm not familiar with it, but I wonder. I think it's I think it's not part of the screenplay. I think that the yeah. uh actual uh Broadway version does not have it either. So I mean mm-hmm. Merlin is a removed kind of mystery to this. Okay. Uh, I think, and I think that this is a realist version of it, right? It's yeah. really going more into their emotions and their fallibility as humans. You know, we're all going to cheat on our husband and uh, burn at the stake and not be pure and <laughs> something like that. I have a feeling that your life is really interesting. I mean, this was the only woman in the show. This yeah. is the only female in this show. Uh, and she's burned at the stake. I mean, not successfully, yeah. but. No, but they were seconds away from it. Well, if you think about it, if you think about it from this, this movie was created and it's in a time where women just did not have, I mean. They just did not have the ability to shape things, period. And so, um, and I think it was pre-feminism, if I remember right. And um, this, so so just looking at it through this lens of when it was made, it is a very kind of not super female-friendly Guinevere because the times I mean, I just felt like, for me personally, I just felt like Guinevere was villainized from the very beginning. Yeah. Very much so. We I can't agree. like her. Yeah. We can't, we can't connect yeah. with her. We can't, I mean, she's not a female woman. She's not a real woman. That's, yeah. I mean, really, that's really what it is. We yeah. don't see much of ourselves in her. No. I mean, I can look at her face and see her yeah. and, you know, feel for her there and I can, but I don't connect with her. Because she's not written in a way that makes any sense to me. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Or Julie Andrews, Julie Andrews made her, um, you know, a woman. I felt like she was, she had soul. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think it comes down to direction. Yeah, probably. I really think the director of this had a vision. And I mean, obviously it was a male director. And James Warner. from what I've read a James Warner. What I've read yeah. about it, um, his decisions were key to how we, you know, mm-hmm. enunciated everything. So much talking in the songs. Like, why are we talking through all the songs? So much. Maybe it's because they couldn't sing. Yeah, it is. It is because of that. I feel like I would have also liked it better had we not had so much of that. I that's my theory. My, that's my theory is because like, I mean, yeah, okay. I can be okay with some of that because that's, I mean, they are in film versus, versus theater, but I feel like had there actually been more singing in a musical, I I would have felt a little differently about it, except there's like this weird half thing happening 
constantly. Yeah. It's like half of every song has them speaking instead of singing. And like, and the things that I have heard, it's like, that doesn't match up. Um, but Maya, you shared that video um, where we did get to see Julie Andrews and it was like light and she was very, um, what I expected. Um, she was and, lovable. She was yeah. lovable. And I, it was, and here, here's a key it. difference between those two versions, right? So um, if you want to check our show notes, I'll share a link to this uh, quick, it's a, a TV show that shows, yeah, it shows the original scene from Broadway of uh, the, what do the simple folk do? There's a dance number, mm-hmm. not yeah. a single dance happens in except for this wild like because they have to dance because it says what do the simple folk do they dance so we see (laughs) king arthur and not marion that's robin hood Uh, Hood. (laughs) guinevere we see them spinning out of control yeah i mean completely just that's that's the closest thing we have to a real dance scene in this whole musical which you know, a good musical has everybody break into dance and song. That's, I mean, you kind of have that cheeriness and, and this was a movie with some songs as dialogue. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't feel like it was a musical. No, I like musicals. I didn't like this. Yeah. No, you need to make that one of the quotes. Well put, Joey. <laughs> I think that's a good one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's so spot on because we don't. We don't love this. And at the end, oh, I wanted to like, love it. I did. I tried really hard. Yeah. I don't usually try that yeah. hard for films. And I don't know. What's funny is Maya made some TikTok videos, which if you're if you are on TikTok, go watch for the ladies of round table. But I watched them before I watched the movie and I was like, What is going on with Maya? Why is she making that face? <laughs> And I, I was like, I yet. know she likes this movie. I don't understand what's <laughs> happening. Is she in a bad mood? <laughs> I was because. Uh. So yeah, those I are understood. my first foray into TikTok. I feel like I need. It, it was kind of fun. <laughs> I did TikTok rewind is- the movie a few times to get it timed right, which yeah. I'll get better at. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. Um, but I had points to make. It's like, what the heck is going on in here? Hmm. Women don't think. And when they do, we don't listen. Like you need to do some subtitles for your um for your TikTok. So it says like like what like a question mark over your head or some kind of like words. <laughs> Cause I was just trying to puzzle it out. I just knew you weren't happy with whatever what was on the screen. And I didn't <laughs> I was trying to like, what? You know, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so uh the last character that we haven't, well, we have two more characters to talk about. Yeah. One is Pelinor. I love Pelinor. Sorry. <laughs> I really love Pelinor. <laughs> so when he shows up, I was just like, yay, because he's like, he's really bumbling, right? He's stuck in this like tiny little cosp of trees and they Rusty have to. Rusty armor. And- he has this like creaking. 
Uh, his makeup, though, I just can't. It was so like caked on to look old. So this is going to be wrong. But the only makeup I liked was King Arthur's and all the rest of it. I was like, not about it. I didn't like anybody's, including Guinevere's. I was just not so much. I like Pelinor's curly mustache a lot. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It like went yeah. all the way to his ears sometimes. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that actor is one of my favorite parts of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, he is the grandfather. Whoa. I've never seen it. Yes. And that's the next year. And to compare these two characters, they're both kind of very similar, right? They're, they're older yeah. and puttering around kind of, you know, and I don't know why this word keeps coming to my head, but bumbling, he's just, you know, he's like bumbling along, but then his character in this turns kind of sour and he, he's like poking and I feel like he's trying to cause trouble all the time. He, he feels like he's an, an asp kind of just i'm gonna i'm just gonna oh no they couldn't do that no and i hate that such a benign character in the whole thing yes and so in like the the true story of king arthur i was very let down in this take on pelinor oh so that is my personal problem with pelinor but uh in this 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 pelinor yeah Um, you know, even like he's standing at the window. I was there. Where was Morgana? Uh, they like mentioned her for two seconds. Yeah. I'm not okay with that. Go on. It would have been nice to have another woman in this, right? Yeah. It would have been nice. Um, Morgana is one of my favorite characters in Same. King Arthur. Yeah. Um, and then, so uh, do you guys have any other comments about Pelinor before we? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, he was, he, he, he wasn't a very big character in this. Um, and then we have Mordred and mm-hmm. to be honest, I'm not too very upset with how this Mordred was. I, I he didn't sing at all. So no, maybe he's that the helped. only one who I was afraid to sing, which is really funny. Oh to me. no. <laughs> that, is Why? that is so funny. So he didn't have any songs. He didn't no. dance. There was one scene where he like, he like waited till everybody was gone and like ran and pounced onto the king's throne and like there were just mm-hmm. he moved on stage in a way or not on, on screen in a way that just felt more real the other actors to didn't me. do yeah and i did notice that too yeah, yeah. all these close-ups <laughs> that's that's got to be direction as well yeah i think yeah. so and his character was a little more in my mind of what I envisioned the story of King Arthur to be true to character. Like he shows up, he's got kind of a connection, but doesn't really connect with anyone. He's out for himself. Hmm. So I felt like that was good. Uh, It was a little weird how King Arthur connected with him, like that whole interaction it felt confusing. I guess that's the only thing I can say. I, I, I don't know. What were your thoughts on Mordred? I missed Mordred because I didn't get to see the last of the movie. Um, oh. But I know, but I, but I thought like, I was like, I, I've seen this, you know, because pretty much the whole first part of the movie was pretty on par with the story mostly. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, you know, but anyway, but what I want to know is, um, did they talk about the fact that Arthur slept with his sister to get more? 
They did not speak sister. Nope. They oh. said how they spoke about how Mordred was his son, okay. his illegitimate son. And his, and his only son and, he'll ever have. I think it's one of the Right. Oh. And there was yeah. a lot of looking at, at Guinevere and her looking kind of like, you know, it was a very weird, tense moment. Like she was <laughs> at fault for him not having any other children. Right. That was never going to happen. Mm. And, you know, they had hoped it would happen, you know. I gotcha. uh, and that whole thing was in front of everyone. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Lancelot was there and Pelinor was there. And, but he was, so he came in and talked and Arthur was like, how is everybody? Like, how's your family? You know, it was just very weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they introduced him as, you know, his son and I'm welcoming you, but I can't make you my son until you've proven I can't make you the heir to the throne until you've proven that you know how to be happy I mean it was just really awkward and weird and then they Mm -hmm. went on a trip out into the woods and talked about there was a quote that I really liked I don't know how it fits in with the story so much but (laughs) he says Arthur says to him it's better to be rubbed clean than to be rubbed out which I think is hilarious but it's a good quote Mm -hmm. but and it must have been it must have been really good in the stage production. That's all I can think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in this interaction, it was just kind of weird. It was like maybe Mordred is known to be a bad kind of guy. And so Arthur is saying, if you can come over to the good side and rubbed clean, then I can make you you can follow along and have Camelot. Oh god. Let me rephrase that. Let me say that oh, again. Okay. You can come along and have Camelot. Uh, so <laughs> if not then you're going to be rubbed out yeah like wow done. well that's so, what they did back then i mean like, that's what i was gonna say if you had an illegitimate son most of the time that's the end of the story you either yeah yeah, yeah. so the story that's the whole thing with king arthur and mordred is super interesting because the whole, in my mind one of the key takeaways of king arthur's tale is the person who is meant to rule should rule not the son of the person who's ruling and so here they are king arthur having this conversation with his son like king arthur should say nope whoever gets the sword out of the stone next gets it you know i mean it should not be (laughs) (laughs) my my obvious yeah yeah just stick it back in the stone as soon as this person dies Um, yeah that's not how monarchy works no no and i actually think we should just talk for a minute about monarchy in general let's do that because this (laughs) week has been interesting in general also we have some key things happening in our shit's going down not our not ours but it's connected to us now because they've decided to come here (laughs) yeah they brought it across the pond that was our problem well, I mean, we've always been connected. No, we're yeah. kind of making it our problem. It's really not yeah. our problem. But. It's really not. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So the this King Arthur is the king of England in this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Not all King Arthur tales say he's the king of England. Um, yeah. But in this version, he is the king of England, and the English royalty is still there. They still exist. Um, it's different and confusing to somebody who grew up in America. Um, to me, I, I watch a lot of 
BBC. So I, you know, uh, Doctor Who yeah. always has the queen involved and, mm-hmm. um, but they don't rule. They are a figurehead. They, yeah. you know, so um, they're taken care of and by the people. Um, and I don't know what, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but do, how do, does the queen just love the people and that's what they get in return? They have a lot of freaking power, yeah. even though that they are just, they have a lot of freaking power. So, you know. Do they hold the purse strings? Like, or do they control the money? I don't understand why they have the, the money power. of just because the royal family. The power? Yeah, the royal, I mean, not of the whole nation that I know, but they definitely, like, they make a salary mm-hmm. for being royalty. I don't, I don't, see, I have a lot of British friends, and it's so touchy to talk to them about it. Because they care about these people. Well, not only do they care, but it's the way it's always been. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's a special kind of um, monarchy is supremacy of a sort. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It is. Yeah. And it's a accepted one. Yeah. And the thing that we have learned from this is that here in the United States, we have our own. Yeah. Well, we have and a that whole is, caste system here. That is the, <laughs> you know, if you look at. Uh, Breach. What is it called? What is it? What the the the, 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 the oh. Hollywood? Okay, oh. let me let me start afresh. If you look at Hollywood, they are our version of this, right? We take them, we put them on this pedestal, we 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 create. Oh, you're so wonderful! And and here, the guy has the prince. Prince Harry has left the royal family in England. But he's just come over here and joined the quote unquote royal family here with our yeah. our uh and they're gonna have they have this huge Netflix deal, right? So he's just yeah. done it. He's <laughs> he's coming over and he's still part of that. I I mean I get that he's broken free from the royal family and maybe it's dated, outdated and needs to end, but classicism. So, the one thing that I was listening to, I've been listening to a lot of content creators talk about this and one thing that really stood out to me is that in order for the monarchy to remain relevant and have the kind of power that they do they need to be both just progressive enough but not you know but just as much staunched in tradition so that way people keep them where they are right because if they get too traditional people are going to be like yeah right they're just people right they have to have this kind of air of mystique around them, but also be like, pull themselves aside at right. the same time. And I found that was like, I was like, wow, yeah, man. Hmm. And how the heck do you do that? Harry That's- is doing something that is unprecedented. and He is basically saying, I'm a regular person mm-hmm. and I want to be treated. I want my wife to be treated like a human being. And, you know. That is amazing that he's, you know, able to do that. But the, yeah. I mean, his his childhood, he was, he was put in a place where he's witnessed his mom, who we all loved. I think everybody in the world loved her um, aside from like four people. Um, (laughs) But she 
had this terrible thing happen. Her death was, you know, and, and not just that leading up to it. He was witness to all of that. What was wrong, everything that was wrong with this system of, you know, putting people on this pedestal and making you behave like a doll instead of like mm-hmm. an actual human being. Um, yeah, it's a, it's messed up. That's all I got to say about it. His his Messed life up. has always been different than his brothers, though, right? Like there was never really the the idea that he was going to actually hold the throne, um, because he has all these people in front of him, right? Well, it goes it goes deeper than that. It it goes even deeper than that. It's that his because he was a redhead. Yeah, he wasn't. He was even suspected that Charles wasn't his father. Which, yeah, I have heard that as well. I mean, if if you look at Diana's brother, he's got absolutely red hair, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think he just wasn't ever treated the same because he didn't, he wasn't nope. seen the same and he, so therefore he was able to be more, I'm, I'm going to use the term mm-hmm. human and um, completely understood a lot more, I think, than the rest of his family does. And he was able to say, you know, I've dealt with this shit long enough. You, you know, I have my wife that I adore. And if this can't work anymore, I'm just going to walk away because I'm not getting anything out of it anyway, um, which I do admire. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I would want to walk away. too. I think. Can we just talk about how I feel like with this. This the past four years, a lot of us have had to do that with families. Oh, hell yeah. And you know, for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but that it's, there's a, there's a cultural shift going on. I think Harry's part of it. Mm. And I, I, I think that the younger generation is just like, things can't stay the same. Right. No. And they're ready and they're, they're ready and willing to make drastic changes. Because when the, when the poop gets too high, that's when people change. Yeah. It has to get really bad. And guess what? It's really bad. It is. Mm-hmm. Really bad. Agreed. So right, let's go back to the movie. Back to King Arthur. <laughs> yes. You know, this is the whole idea that it's not about who your family is. It's about who you are as a person. And the idea was supposed to be that you knew the sword was magical and knew that you were the right person to hold it. They didn't really get that to come across in this it was just that he pulled really hard which you know well yeah and in the very beginning talks about how the sword was kind of floating in the air but then he went back to like then it was he pulled it out and i was kind of confused about that part i have always been confused about excalibur getting into king arthur's hands because there's a story about the lady in the lake handing it to him and then there's also the story of the it being in the stone and him pulling it out so yeah well that's the thing the story of king arthur is a whole bunch of legends that got glommed together and that's how camelot is just an amalgamation of these different legends same thing with robin hood right yeah Yeah. and i love them (laughs) there's even legends that robin hood and and king arthur were kind of like similar um tropes or something like that like there was some mixing of that that makes sense I don't think I've heard that before, but that makes sense. Yeah. We see, you know, a lower, uh, lower level person, not lower 
but somebody who's not part of that upper wealthiness step into both roles, right? As a crossover, mm-hmm. you are there or, to do all the right yeah, things, but also in power and yeah, doing, doing good and right, right by right and right by might or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, for me, the last three minutes of this film are the best part of this film. And it, uh, since Shoshi has not yeah, <laughs> tell me, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you listening might not have seen it. It ends with uh, them about to go to battle. Okay. Uh, there is a part that is not the best part, but I'll talk about it because we should, where he meets with Lancelot and he goes to see Lancelot in the woods right before this huge fight. He has brought all of his warriors to France to oh, fight boy. against Lancelot. Mm-hmm. Goes, gets a note from Lancelot saying, hey, can we meet in the woods? Lance. So he walks out to the <laughs> woods. It does. <laughs> And it's delivered by a child. And he brings up a child. And it's nice. like the craziest. The kid looks like he's trying not to laugh. It's hilarious. It does. It was cute. Um, uh, Guinevere comes too. So he's there to talk to both of them. And they, Guinevere's teary eyed. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he says, just go back to the castle with Lancelot. And, and Lancelot says, oh, she's not there. She's at the. She's living with the nuns now. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. God. Like we're <laughs> believing that. Yeah. Because with this Guinevere, really. <laughs> That's, you know, because God. She's going to go amazing. Yeah. She's going to. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so that part I did not like at all. But beyond that, he's walking back to fight because they have to go with battle, even though the two of them could decide not to and turn around and go home. Um he bumps into this young child with a bow and arrow who's ready to fight. And, and King Arthur says, how old are you? Or I think he's, he's very young. He's probably like 10. I can't remember. Uh, what they say. I can't remember. Yeah. He's very and, young. And Arthur says, why are you here? And he said, I heard everything. I want to be a knight. I've, I've, I jumped in the boat and stowed away so I could come here and fight with you because I want to be a knight of the round table. And he says, what do you know about the Knights of the Round Table? And he quotes, might is right and everything's good and you fight for what's right and the round table, everything. And King Arthur is in that moment. So from that moment forward is my favorite part. <laughs> he, his, his face, you know, this is, this is perfect Harris, right? He, he shows the emotion of, oh, the spread the story of all of these great things that we want, the ideas that I was passionate about have spread across England. This kid was from some village far, far away and note from Camelot and knows and understands what we were talking about. So he says, I am, I have a mission for you. I don't want you fighting. I'm going to have you, I want you at the back of the line and I want you to go back and spread the story. Wow. of Camelot. Uh-huh. And then he knights this little boy, Sir Tom of Kitteridge. I don't know that he's, I don't know England well enough. So um, the, yeah. <laughs> the boy is, you know, excited. And then he says, run, run, my lad, run. And he's like holding Excalibur, pointing for the kid to run to the back. And he turns to Pelinor of all uh-huh. people and uh-huh. says, 
What we are is less than a drop in the great blue motion of the sea, but some drops sparkle. And I loved that quote. I wrote it down even so I could read it right. And then he says, run and tell all the world of Camelot. And then it, he sings one refrain from the Camelot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it, so that like, and I teared up. Like I hated this movie. I was so annoyed Aww. most of the way through the movie. I don't. I don't want to say I hated it, but you made uh, us watch I, it. <laughs> I. It was it, the right thing to do. Okay. Sometimes you have to do the right thing. <laughs> Joey, thank you for watching this movie. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate you putting yourself through it. I just, I but just pictured Shoshi watching Dune and I was like, I'm making the same face, aren't I? Yeah, well, <laughs> Dune was far worse for me. I just did not know. It's okay. But you see, now that we've watched this, we can watch Merlin, the yeah. TV show, which I'm yeah. so excited about watching with you guys. And Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which I'm really super I haven't seen in a while. And I mean, there's so much out there. I don't remember the last time I saw it. It was a long time ago. I think I yeah. made my kids watch it. Oh, so Monty Python? In years. Yeah. Yeah. I took, so we took my daughter to see Monty Python at the art theater, which is this like Fun. really cool uh, old theater that has, was remodeled. Anyway, um, we took it on Father's Day. We took my dad because they, this, slogan was bring out your dad <laughs> bring out your dad that's cute and she she loved it she loved it it's funny so i was very very happy that she enjoyed it because she is officially you you can't be a nerd and not know some monty python quotes right yeah like, you can yeah. you're right so, you know, I think I've mentioned on this show before that I tried to make my kids watch Princess Bride and they did not get through it. They left. Wow. They watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail and enjoyed it. So, yeah. you know, okay. some wins. <laughs> um, so, yeah, overall, this is not what I love about the King Arthur story, this love triangle. It is a piece of it, though. And. You know, so I think it'll be kind of interesting to have that in the back of our minds going forward. Um, but what I love most about the tale of King Arthur is that the people that anyone can become great. I think that's that's important that it, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you come from. Greatness is inside you. Mm-hmm. That magic is super fun and cool and you can learn a lot of lessons by flying and other you know becoming a bird instead of just looking at a bird um so i always loved that part of it and round table where everybody is equal and you listen and everybody has value which we didn't see much of they talked about for a few seconds but even there it's like everybody's equal but then king arthur has this huge chair and oh. you had to sit down before everybody else sat down. So it really wasn't showing the true. Still a, mon- right. still a monarchy. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So yep. I want to talk about the animals. There were so many dogs in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, the dog. Guinevere's dog. I freaking love that. The, at a, the beginning. It was either a whippet or a greyhound. It, yeah, and it was cute. I don't remember it. Scene stealer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and she had different dogs with her every, like every scene, it was a new dog. 
Yeah, that I noticed. I don't remember the dog show she was talking about, but I did notice that there was lots of them. Um, I was concerned about uh, some of the horses. I wasn't sure if, um, oh, I think. Backflips. Yeah, it looked like there was some questionable things going on with. This was well dunks. before they made the. Yeah, well before. And so I was I was a little concerned a couple of times that like, ooh, is that one okay? Um, thank goodness we have rules about that stuff now. Yes. Because you don't worry when you see a horse on screen that something terrible is going to happen. Um, you should They had worry, a lot but... of scenes with lots and lots of horses. Yeah. And to make them feel super emotional and I hate to use the word cool, but they like wanted to bang for your buck kind of feel. They multiple times showed a horse falling on its back and rolling back up mm -hmm. and in like fight yeah. scenes so for those who haven't seen mm -hmm. it. And because if you have seen it, you remember mm -hmm. because it really like sticks. The with one on the table really got me. But oh my gosh, Lancelot's horse had its had the hair in, in her eyes. She, he or she was always like flouncing <laughs> the head to get the bangs out of her. <laughs> it was beautiful horse beautiful horse. and then joey was talking about merlin's eyes you want to talk a little bit yeah about so um merlin had um mirrored reflective contact lenses and they were really like the first of their kinds so this was oh, the first wow. time they started doing like special contact lenses and they had to be made special by this one person who was like, I got this, I can do it. And um, so it, he was the first time we have like someone's glowing eyes that are not being like, they're having like a mirror glared into their eyeballs, which is kind of cool. Um, but oh, I, wow. I do wonder, like, I, I, cause I didn't see anything else except about how cool this thing is. And I do think it's really cool, but I wonder if he could see very well out of them because the after because I, I read about this afterwards yeah. and I was like Merlin doesn't really move he just stands still I wonder if he could see yeah. um, but it's super cool <laughs> it was it was very cool and I actually noticed it I didn't realize that it was um I thought it was they were putting mirrors yeah. like you said that was making it really super reflective I looked it up afterwards because um, I was like I wonder what exactly it was they did and the other ones yeah. were just blue 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 yeah how many freaking blue-eyed people do you need? I mean, all of on. them. I'm not against blue eyes, but really, I think <laughs> were there, there weren't any brown-eyed. I mean, not of the close-up people. No, as a blue-eyed person, I do think it was excessive. I like we're not that special. We're not. It's okay. I do want to talk one more time, and I've already said it. It's a learning process when you film in general, right? they have a learning process. They are learning from the films that came before them. They are learning from stage. And so we, we see this is a stage to screen mm -hmm. transition and it is, it's a different take on taking something from the stage to mm -hmm. the screen. It's giving us close-ups, right? That was something that you miss when you go see a show mm -hmm. on stage, you don't get to see their face and their eyes and they really i think that was probably something that really they wanted to yeah. prove that hey look at what we can do now and it, it was a failed attempt you know okay, <laughs> learn. Yes. but i can i wasn't them. expecting you to go there but that's funny <laughs> because, because now everyone who's making a, a broadway show to screen knows not to make that mistake again so 
I'm all about making mistakes if you learn from them. And uh, so there, that's my take on this. <laughs> we have a lot of really great actors in yeah. this that did other mm -hmm. great things. And um, so it's interesting that I'm disappointed in the acting so much when I've seen these in other but you're not disappointed with their and acting. You're disappointed with their singing mostly because the, it is a musical. I mean, some of their acting is a little disappointing, but I think it's because of everything else that they're having to do. Yeah. And it might be portrayal of the characters yeah. that I'm upset with. It's not really the, the yeah. actors. And something else to note, this was James Warner's last director film. He stopped directing after this. wonder why. I don't know, but I did read. Um, maybe, maybe because it didn't go so. I'm well. guessing. I know he and Richard Harris that butted heads a lot because Richard had like a lot of ideas about this is how it should go, and James is like, "No, I'm the director." Um, and there was even a point where uh, he took James took Richard out to the lot and was like, "Look at the water tower. Does what does that say?" And he says, "Well, it says Warner Brothers." And he said, "Right, and it doesn't say Harris Brothers. So get back in there and do what I said." And I was like, oh, shit. I would have paid to see that. Yeah. yeah I think everybody would have uh, enjoyed a little, uh, you know, where's Instagram right. when you need it in the 60s, right? <laughs> a little TikTok moment so we know everything that's going on with people. Uh, yeah, so overall, eh, what was your favorite character? For uh, let's, let's go with, for this show, your favorite character. I'm going to go with Merlin, even though we didn't see him very much. I thought he had really cool effects. And I thought that the things that they let him say were important. You know, he, um, Arthur is asking him questions while Merlin's made him a fish or a bird or whatever. And he's not like giving him all the answers. He's asking him more and more questions, which is kind of the teacher that I strive to be. When I go up to a kid who's doing art and they're like, well, what do you think? I'll ask them a question back because I don't want to give them the answers. I want them to come to a conclusion on their own that makes them feel good and makes them learn something. And like, so I just, I thought that, that what we did see of Merlin, I mean, even though Merlin is generally my favorite anyway in Arthur, I thought that like, it was still pretty darn good in this. So definitely Merlin. Yeah, I think, I think of all of the classic Arthur characters, he was the one that was the closest and um, pretty spot on to what we know and love about this tale. He so, was who I expected him to be. Much of him, but I think. And he didn't sing. I yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> you might have loved it. We I don't know because he didn't get a chance. Um, <laughs> my favorite character in this, I'm going with, uh, I don't know his name. It's either Dap or Dab. I think it's Dab. Dap. But uh, I'm not sure. I think Dap. It's Dap. Well, he, I just, I felt like, okay, this is a real person. Mm -hmm. I'm not angry because he's not done incorrectly. It's just a squire who's along for the ride. And we see a lot of them. And I don't know if he had a single speaking line, but his face was pretty yeah. awesome. We saw a lot of acting. With him. Like he snuck up and helped save Guinevere from the fire. And we, you know, he was throughout the whole thing. We saw him. And so that was, that's my favorite from this one. How is about that, you? Is Josh? that Lancelot Squire? Yes. Yeah, I would say he was, and he did have some lines in the beginning when oh, he was good. like, talked about uh, Lancelot being the son, king. Oh, yeah, they had that conversation, something. the two yeah. of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that's when I noticed him first time. And I kind of went back in my mind and thought about the other scene. Hmm. Who's your favorite? My favorite as well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Same, for the same reasons. <laughs> so let's let's share our word for the show. Uh, how about you, Shosh? Do you got one? Skip. Joshi's <laughs> <laughs> so word is advice for everyone. Okay. Uh, Joey, how about you? Joey's <laughs> too busy laughing. I laugh <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, mine was earworm because even though I wasn't like a fan of a lot of things going on, I still have the songs in my stuck in my head and I'm a little irritated. But like they're good songs. I love. I love having the song stuck in my head. I will watch a good musical just so that I can sing that song for like a month <laughs> or whatever until the next one comes along. Um, my my word for the show, because I I just can't, I can't. It's the funniest thing in the world to me. Unwincible. When he sings that word in the same way, same Unwincible. It's like wait, is he wait is he saying unwincible? No, it's it's literally he's saying unwincible. And I don't think it's the real world word, but I love it. And it's, it is now. I like it. <laughs> and honestly, we winced through this whole movie. So bit. it's kind of. <laughs> this movie is not unwinsable. Mm-hmm. I'll do a double <laughs> negative there. Right. Uh, what else have you guys been watching? Um, oh, finally watched WandaVision. Holy crap. I still have so, to watch it. Too. On um, my list. It's really good. When I so I didn't realize this, and if you started watching the first episode and quit, you should go get to the second or third episode because this this is uh, about a person with complex trauma, and it's really about how she's dealing with it. And so that's why there's these like kind of alternative realities that she kind of has created for herself. Um, and I didn't know that going in. I didn't know what the show was going to be. And so when it started out the way it did, I was like, mm, it didn't make any sense to me. And it just seemed stupid. And then when I found out more about it, I was like, oh, wow. And it's, it's good. It's really good. And then the other show, I've already seen the whole series, but my husband never saw it, was The Handmaiden's Tale. And so he's oh. watching it with me. For the first time and i kind of put him up to it i was like most guys don't have the balls <laughs> and that i think that got him to watch it and so he's been watching it with me and i told him i said the thing about handmaid's tale that you got to remember is that any horrific thing that you see that happens to women in this movie has already happened in our world yeah it's yeah. None, none of it is made up this is real mm-hmm in some form, in some, you know, different parts of our societies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's. So you are watching some intense stuff. You're having some intense times, Shoshi. Yeah, definitely. So see, wasn't it nice to watch uh, a Camelot campy little and... musical? Yeah. <laughs> that you can complain about because it's not so yeah. well done. <laughs> yep. How about you, Joey? What have you been watching? Um, I was, I, I've been watching things slowly because I've been busy, but I was watching more Tiger King and more Witcher and House. So I've seen House. A ridiculous number of times but I I, I I can window it really tiny in my office when I'm working and I just listen to it so I'm like I'm at that stage where I don't have to see it anymore um and I just I appreciate it but it's the season yeah. I don't even like so I probably ought to just skip forward back to the beginning I don't know 
But I've been rereading a book that yeah. um, I didn't like the first time. And I don't like it this time either. So I ought to skip that as well. I don't know yeah. why I do this to myself. Don't, don't force yourself. What book Settlers is it? Settlers of Catan. So it's a, it's a book based on the game. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know there was yeah. a book. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it I don't know when it came out. But it's terrible. So. No, I just don't like it. It's not bad. <laughs> I just don't like it. It's, it's written by Rebecca oh, okay. Gable. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a lot wrong with me. All right. That is true for everyone. I'm not mad about it. So I've so, been. Wait, I want to. Do you make yourself finish books that you yes. don't like? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. And shows. I just can't. There is no way I can because I won't pick it up. It'll sit there forever with a bookmark. Oh, yeah, in it. no. Yeah. I'll, I'll read it and I'll be like, damn it. And I just keep going. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Because I need to know. I had a book club and. Uh, we were, it, it ended because of COVID, which is sad, but we were, we were reading Les Miserables. That's a tough it is so yeah. long. And, yeah. Uh, only one of us, yeah. it. it wasn't me. <laughs> I enjoyed what I read of it and maybe someday I'll go back and start where I stopped and read more. But, I did that. Oh, I was just exhausted. I did that with the Cat of Cristo. <laughs> I started reading it and I got like a, the, the unabridged version. I got like five chapters in. I was like. Oh, no, no, thank you. And I set it down. It was like one of the only times where I did do that. And I was it, like, it ate at me. Right. So like a couple of years later, I went I back and I read the whole thing. And that's my favorite book. Like that was that was good. Um, so maybe that will happen to you. But it's like. Yeah, it's big book. really yeah. thick, big. Good book. Though. Yeah. Um, so I've been watching movies, uh, lighthearted, easy movies that I don't have to worry and think about. I watched Coming to America with the number two, yeah. um, which my husband was like, I'm not watching that because he thought it was going to be, um, he thought it would be the, the, so the first, so the first version, when we think back on it, we've talked at length about this, you know, they're yeah. dated and they make mistakes about cultural choices mm-hmm. over and it's over again, but it was the eighties. Yeah. Right. So what, you know, he was like, I don't want to, I don't even want to watch this, the second one. And I thought, I want to watch it. <laughs> so I, I put it on. It was really enjoyable. It had people of color left and right. It was their movie. They, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was silly, fun. It had a message about like female power. It was, I mean, it, it was very good. It was very good uh, and funny which in a very lighthearted way, which I needed. Um, and the other one is Moxie. Have either of you heard about Moxie? Okay. I highly recommend Moxie. I think, I think it's well worth watching. It's about a, a girl who it's also, a very, <laughs> boy, I'm just all on this feminism stuff. Um, it's about a girl who stands up to the culture of her high school by writing zines. And um, she starts kind of a, a whole group of young women nobody knows who moxie is they all assume it's this other girl but she's been inspired by that other girl and they change the culture of the high school and bring to light all of the misogynistic stuff that's going on and it's it's really it's fun but serious okay yeah and then i also watched an episode of the stand and i cannot watch more than one in a row it's like two too dark and too serious 
Handmaid's Tale like that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get too much at once. So yeah, take a, yeah. take a break, step back, and watch something fun. Um, I don't have it with me, but I got the 3D print of my oh, model that I've been getting created. Yep, it came in the mail. So now I'm getting um, a friend to do some test prints so we can get a really good master so that we can send that out and get that cast. Cool. You feel good? You feel like it's done? It's, I'm, you know, as a creator, I'm never completely satisfied. <laughs> understand that there's always going to be something yeah. yeah it's very frustrating because it makes it very hard to you know celebrate your successes mm -hmm. even when they're there so i'm just like i don't know yeah i'm just i'm excited but i'm also like oh you know <laughs> well we're excited it looks wonderful you have weight on your shoulders yeah from yeah. what we've seen it's amazing yeah. i mean oh, yeah. it's gonna be so it it's already amazing yeah. so anything that you've done yeah. from when we've seen it is even better yeah how about you joey what are you up to um a whole lot uh so there's a there's an event that i participate in it used to be like once a year but since the pandemic hit they've been doing it actually more which is kind of unusual because that's the opposite of what everyone else is doing um but it's called gish and it's um it's an international scavenger hunt and it's not like the typical one where like, oh, you need to find this thing at this place and you need to go, you know, take a picture of it or something. It's like, it, they give you tasks. So you need to, uh, or what would it look like if there was a business meeting in a ball pit? Show us. And so then like you find a ball pit and you get a desk and you set it in there and you have people in business suits and like there's kids jumping around and all that kind of thing. And it's really fun. Um, but so you have to pay to play, but all the money goes to a charity called Random Acts of Kindness. And we had an event recently that we did. Um, so remember when I was like stressed last weekend, uh, it was that weekend as well on top of everything else. I didn't get very much done, um, but you play in teams. So there's like you and nine to 15 people um, and it's a lot of fun. And so that just happened. And then they said that they thought they would do a couple more before the major hunt um, in the in this late summer. So that was exciting to hear. That's what I was up to. I was up to weird stuff. That sounds really cool. It's weird, I love it. That's super cool. <laughs> Excellent. I've just been playing taxi driver a lot this week. <laughs> I don't know what that yes. is. It is literally getting in my car and driving people someplace that they want to go. I thought it was a video game. I was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why would you play? Mom thinks was a That's my version of real life fun. Woo. <laughs> I now get to I get play. It. No, I, um, I, my son is moving away in two weeks but I still drive him to and from work. My husband is working two jobs and tired and it's kind of windy and cold. So I've been driving and picking him up a little more often and he can't take the car because I have to pick up my son. And then yesterday I, my daughter and I were hanging out. So then I also did take her someplace. So I last yesterday, I was like in the car half the day and I don't like you that. literally were a tax driver. Yes. And I don't like being in my car. Like, I used to love driving. I had the coolest Camaro that my parents let me drive of theirs. And I drove fast and I was silly and stupid and got in a lot of stupid accidents as a kid. <laughs> uh, I, and I blasted the radio. I had the, I had the, um, oh, what is that movie? Um, 
terrible movie. Great oh, soundtrack. Yeah, that was, yes, oh my I gosh. That. The soundtrack Corey is Feldman. amazing. Yeah. Yes, Corey Feldman. But the soundtrack, the soundtrack, I had the tape and I would, I loved the song at the end of one side and the beginning of the other. So I would just flip it back and forth. I would play that last song on one side and the first song on the other side and then flip it over. <laughs> and now I'm driving this car and my radio is old and yucky and doesn't play the songs and sound cool. And I'm spoiled because my, my speakers at home are so good. And my ear pods are so good. My radio on my phone is, you know, so anyway, I just uh, complain the whole time I'm in the car and, you know, <laughs> but my son is moving away and my husband can take the car in the future or ride his bike, which he likes to do when it, when he can, and I can not do that anymore. So anyway, <laughs> I did finish my second quilt. So I feel really proud of that. Cool. Yeah. Fun. I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned from them. That's what you do. All right. So overall, we don't recommend that you watch no. this movie unless you want a good education in the Arthurian tale, which is what I would like of you to love get. Triangles so. specifically. Just, or just if you triangle. love triangles, if you love love triangles, if you love triangles, this is a good movie for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week, what are we doing next week? Detective Pikachu. That's a good question. Detective Pikachu. Oh, <gasps> yay! Oh, that's going to be easy to watch. Yay. Oh, a that's whole a new, one. a whole new take. We are flipping and doing a Detective Pikachu next week. So please watch it and join us, and we will talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.